yes, I can understand why some people would be uneasy about it. I, I don't really have any patience for the people who not only attack him for it, but uh, try to sort of attack him and then uh, tacitly insist, well, but but I'm not attacking the church, and I'm certainly not attacking the brethren, and I'm certainly not attacking the apostles, uh, because I don't think you can have that both ways. I really don't like seeing a very good man who is is perfect for this position being dragged through the mud by people who don't know or understand. I want to steel man your position. At the same time, I, I kind of want to steel man the people that were uh, that, that were concerned. If he can do that, that is that will be proof to the world that this was an inspired choice. What happens when the left goes too far? Can you um, be too much of an ally in the church? Okay, so let me see if I can try to steel man this for you. We all come at this with perspectives and baggage from previous experiences. I, I am willing to give grace and empathy to those who are uneasy by this. I'm not really willing to give an inch to anybody who is actively attacking the church. And I really believe that when you're attacking Aaron Sherinian, that's exactly what you're doing. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to Ward Radio. I'm your host, Cardinalis, and today we got a really fun interview we're going to do. I am joined via the interwebs, via Zoom, with Jim Bennett here, who uh, wants to kind of give his side of the argument here. We've had a couple of podcasts in which we've talked about a lot of members' concerns about a recent appointment for, uh, of Aaron Sherinian to the uh, Director of Communications for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And, you know, there's been a little bit of uh, what some people would call conservative pushback, right? Now we're actually going to go across the aisle to our buddy here, Jim Bennett, who has a very full-throated uh, defense of one Aaron Sherinian and personal experience with the man. And um, we want to just highlight what Jim has to say uh, really quickly, Jim, before we get started, I just want to tell my audience here, you know, um, I'm buddies with Jim Bennett. I love Jim Bennett. I think he's a stud. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and we are friends here. I think that's one of the most beautiful things about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is though we were represented as opposite sides in a recent article by um, by Axios, one of the most beautiful things about Joseph Smith and the Restoration and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is uh, we're all buddies. We can have differing views, but at the end of the day, we all love Joseph Smith as a prophet. We all love the Book of Mormon, and we're going to work out these details, hopefully as friends. So this is... Uh, I can't tell you what it's going to be because whenever me and Jim talk, uh, we both can veer <laughs> verbose sometimes, but I can tell you what it's not going to be. Uh, this isn't necessarily a debate. This is just going to be a, a, a spirited conversation among friends. Uh, there's no gotcha questions here. We don't do gotcha journalism or anything like that. And um, there will always be an emphasis on uh, humanity and somebody's uh, inherent worth as a child of God over um, what their political views are, though... Uh, morality does inform politics, so we will probably be going head to head on, uh, some issues if we have to. And if we don't, we won't because we're pals. So anyway, um, uh, Jim, tell us first off, how you doing, man? I know you sing from Motag. Good. You look like you just got I, back. I, I, my hackles went up even before you started when you said you're going to reach out across the aisle. 
It's a crappy term, I know. But you sing in Motab, so I'm like, there's three aisles, there's four aisles. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Usually, I'm on the I'm on the back aisle, and uh, you've said you've never been able to see me, and most people aren't able to see me because they arrange it by height. And I talked to one camera person who told me she said that uh, her camera doesn't even tilt that far up. Oh man. So, uh, so I do. I, I go unsung. Mac Wilberg said when we joined the choir, you might be disappointed if you join the choir to be a TV star. Ooh. So, well, Aaron Sherinian's job number one. Do you hear that, Aaron? If you watch this, your communications director, you have sway. You need to get a better swivel for the cameras so all the Jim Bennett's boys know that he's actually there and he's not faking it. At this point, I question whether you're even a member of the church, bro, because I have yet to see you in Motab, and that has been a calling card of yours for two years. So um, anyway, uh, tell us, man, you called me up the other day. You said, hey, hold on a second. I feel like my boy Aaron is getting misrepresented here. We got to clarify and contextualize some things. I got personal experience with him. And 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 so I invited you on the show. Jump right in, dog. Tell us what we're missing. Well, sure. It's it's funny you'd mention Aaron with regard to the Tabernacle Choir because he came to one of our rehearsals and sat in the back and was waving at me like an idiot, <laughs> trying to get me to wave back. And you're not allowed to wave back. If I'd wave back, I probably wouldn't be in the choir at the moment. Uh, oh, but uh, that makes I, I but I do know Aaron Sherinian. I, I know him. I, he 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 was the bishop in the Arlington, Virginia ward in 2016. And uh, at one point, he called my father to give a fireside about the origins of the Book of Mormon. My father had written a book called Leap of Faith, Confronting the Origins of the Book of Mormon. And uh, he was suffering from pancreatic cancer that had metastasized. So we knew he didn't have much time. Uh, But it was Aaron who felt inspired to say, everybody needs to hear your summation of your defense of the Book of Mormon. And uh, so he gave a fireside on April 10th of 2016, where he stood without assistance and without notes, presented pretty much the thesis of his book and walked through all of these things. And it was taped, uh, audio tape. I didn't hear, there was no video. But uh, so it was recorded and we were able to hear it. The following day, my father suffered a massive stroke and all of his children, myself, my brother and my four sisters, all gathered around his bedside knowing that the end was near. And uh, that's when I met Aaron Sherinian because Aaron Sherinian kept coming to the home uh, to see if there's anything that we needed. Uh, His wife, Emily, was very good friends with my mother, uh, and she was there quite a lot. And we we just got to know this guy, and it is impossible to meet Aaron and not smile. I mean, he is so gregarious and so outgoing. His profile says global extrovert, and he is just the most... Uh, I mean, he, he listens to you. He engages with you with a with a great smile on his face. He's always sort of excited and enthusiastic to learn new things and to meet new people. And uh, just just an incredibly charming man. And my father was very taken with him and wanted to create, after my father had left the Senate, he had started the Bennett Group, which was a consulting firm. And uh, my father's background prior to serving in politics was in public relations. 
And he wanted to go to the church and say, okay, let the Bennett group essentially be the spokesman for the church and we'll hire Aaron Sherinian as a contractor. Because Aaron Sherinian at the time was the communications director for the United Nations Foundation and was doing quite well for himself. I mean, anybody in or out of the church that looks at this man's resume uh, will quickly discover that there is there's nobody in or out of the church that's more qualified and more skilled in this area than Aaron Sherinian is. But uh, but but what my father told me is that the church has been pursuing Aaron Sherinian for years, uh, has wanted him as their PR director, and Aaron has turned them down. Uh, my father estimated that it was probably because of the sizable pay cut he would have to take to step down from these prestigious positions that he was holding to, to working for the church. Um, and, and I mean, his politics never sort of weighed into it. Uh, and I didn't have a lot of political discussions with him other than the fact that the last weeks of my father's life, um, we had an awful lot of political discussions. My father was really lamenting the state of the Republican Party. Uh, Donald Trump had just barely secured the nomination, uh, the Republican nomination. And, and so that so politics was something that was being discussed during those precious weeks. Uh, but Aaron wasn't there to to talk about politics. He was just there to to support us, to be with us, to help us. And uh, the night my father passed away was May 4th, 2016. And within minutes, Aaron Sherinian was on our doorstep and with no agenda. He just came in and he sat with us and he wept with us. And I, it was then that I realized there is something very special about this man. Uh, this man is a true disciple of Christ uh, who who is uh, demonstrating the kind of Christ-like love and Christ-like service that all of us ought to demonstrate on a regular basis. Um, after that point, I actually ended up, that was right around the same time that Patrick Kieran gave his wonderful talk about refugees. And Patrick Kieran was, was in our ward for about five years. So I know Patrick Kieran as well, and uh, was just absolutely over the moon when he was called as an apostle. But with regard to Aaron, uh, Aaron uh, proposed the idea, uh, at the time I was a columnist for the Deseret News, and he said, the United Nations wants to raise the profile of refugees, and we want to do it in red state newspapers. And he ended up securing a grant for me to give me the resources to go out and place articles about refugees in red state newspapers and also to write some and produce some. I, I had a great interview with a guy who had um, uh, who, who had been the engineer or the producer, I guess, for a record by Sir Patrick Stewart, where Patrick Stewart sang cowboy favorites. And there's a video of it online, and it's it's kind of ridiculous. But he did it in order to be able to raise money for refugees. And so I was able to contact him and did a big piece on him. The Deseret News published that. And, and so I sort of entered into this quasi-professional relationship with Aaron Sherinian. Uh, he invited me back to New York City when he was holding a, a summit at the 92nd Street Y, where Joe Biden came and spoke. This was in 2016. Joe Biden was then the sitting vice president. And we all had to go through medical metal detectors and everything else and and uh, to listen to him speak about the cancer moonshot. 
which was, uh, you know, it wasn't a political speech. It was about the idea that we're going to expend as much effort to cure cancer as go to the moon. And uh, so and, and I got, he, there was a dinner at the end of it that was held in the most beautiful spot in New York City in the Rockefeller, Rockefeller, la, 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 Rockefeller building. You did the uh, correct New patio. York pronunciation first. You did the correct New York pronunciation first of eliminating the R. The well, Rockefeller. yeah, Rockefeller. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's yeah. Um, but uh, this patio overlooks St. Patrick's Cathedral right in the heart of New York City. And it's, it's just this beautiful area. And, and uh, Aaron introduced me to all of these big players in the media like I was a big deal. And uh, and so all of that. So that's that's neither here nor there. I'm just I'm just th- this is my background with Aaron Sherinian. And and uh, when that ended, we you know, he, he's he's very close with my mother and uh, we would touch base here, there. And and, uh, you know, so when this news broke, it didn't even occur to me to think about his politics. It, it didn't even I mean, it, it wasn't. Oh, boy, this is going to really make Desnat heads explode. It was. Oh, my goodness. Uh, isn't the church lucky to have a guy of this caliber, of this talent, of this ability? And I was just over the moon. I was just thrilled until I saw the amount of vitriol that just started to be poured out uh, about how terrible this guy is because they had found pictures of him. Uh, I mean, you know the story and you, you've discussed the story. And I think my ears are burning because I think you've discussed my reaction to the story as well. Uh, but, uh, well, we you know, discussed everybody, everybody everybody's reaction we could get a hold of. So, yeah, <laughs> well, there you go. That's fine. But so, so he, um, you know, he, he's, he's very much an LGBTQ ally. He celebrated the Orbridge fell decision in, in uh, 2015. Uh, and, uh, he is, he is a trans rights ally. He's all of those things. And that was a bridge too far for many people, including many people that have, you know, are regulars on your show, uh, and and maybe it was for you as well. Uh, but uh, but uh, you know, I I look at that and and I, I have been in contact with Aaron since uh, all of this news broke. Uh, he 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 texted me, and I don't want to get any specifics because he hasn't given me permission to talk about that. But sure. But I can say that the one thing that I think is really breaks his heart in all of this is that there have been people who've gone after his kids and and beat up on his kids, said his kids are too liberal or his kids are too whatever else. And uh, and I don't think anybody deserves that. Yeah, and that's that off kind limits. of stuff. That's off limits. Yeah, that's off limits. And it's really discouraging to see some of that coming from members of the church. Mm-hmm. The, the, the most hostility that's coming from this guy is is coming from fellow members of the church who ought to know better. And what's really remarkable to me, too, is that as I followed all of this, everybody that has met him, uh, you know, one of the one of the people in the Axios article that's referenced is the head of the Sutherland Institute, which is a very conservative political think tank in, in Utah. Uh, and they were cheering the news because they know Aaron Sherinian. They know the caliber of who this man is. And and they know that the church is fortunate to have him. I mean, Aaron would never say that, uh, but I'll say that on his behalf. I absolutely believe the church is fortunate to have him. And I think the brethren who appointed him know that as well. So uh, the idea, for instance, that nobody knew this background, nobody knew about all of this, 
it's just ludicrous. It's just absolutely ludicrous to think that that would be possible to have been pursuing Aaron Sheridan for so many years and not somehow know what his politics are or not so not know what his ish, perspective on LGBTQ issues is, uh, is it's ridiculous. And, and uh, so it, it, it's always stunning to me uh, how much the people who are most hostile to my personal participation in the church are online members of the church. It's not the ex-Mormons that are beating up on me or the ex-Mormons that want me to leave the church. It's I get people on Twitter almost on a daily basis telling, saying Jim Bennett ought to leave the church. We don't need Jim Bennett here and all that. And Aaron Sherinian is experiencing that times 20 or more because he's so much higher profile, obviously. But the idea is we don't want this guy. We don't like this guy. This guy is an embarrassment to the church. And the church... Uh, the, the the church has made this colossal mistake, and it, it's it's amazing to me that the people who attack Aaron Sherinian are the people who consider themselves to be the most faithful, the most rigorous members of the church, and yet they're the ones that are threatening to leave. They're the ones that are trashing the brethren indirectly. For appointing this guy, because that's absolutely what you're doing when you're beating up on Aaron Sherinian and insisting that the church has made this hideous mistake. You are assuming that the prophets, seers, and revelators that appointed him uh, don't know what they're doing. And, and you know, those kinds of accusations fly fast and furious without a lot of self-awareness on the part of the people who who are constantly berating um People like Aaron for saying, well, you're not following the brethren because you're not sufficiently opposed to LGBTQ rights. And now all of a sudden we have an example of somebody who isn't opposed and who is very much in the good graces of the brethren and heads explode. Okay. So, so that that's where I am. That's my personal background, and I'm happy to discuss any part of it. But, but the one thing that I've just felt strongly since this broke is not – the politics involved, not any of it involved. It's I really don't like seeing a very good man who is is perfect for this position being dragged through the mud by people who don't know or understand what a great guy he is. Okay, now now that's fair. If I understand you correctly, you're saying, "Hey, uh, I've known this guy for a long time." I find him to be a true disciple of Christ, and he's got the personal ministry aspect down. He has mourned with me when I have mourned. He's comforted those that have standed need and comfort, which we know is one of the the, the principal priorities of being a, a member of the church. We can talk about political stuff, which is a, a lower priority. It does inform morality, but in my personal experience, the main most important aspects of the Sermon on the Mount, he's exemplified uh, very, very well. And I feel like he's getting misrepre- misrepresented here. And I want to step in and air my grievance that he's getting misrepresented. Is that is that fair to say? I think that's fair to say. Okay, cool. Um, really quickly, what do you think is the number one misrepresentation that frustrates you? And then I got some, I got some kind of some challenge questions for you. Well, it's it's a generic misrepresentation. It's the idea that uh, that he can't be or isn't a faithful member of the church. Okay. Uh, you will not find a more faithful member of the church than Aaron Sherinian. And a lot of these social media posts that are being dragged out again 
one of the one of the narratives is okay. Well, Aaron Sheridan, he thought that in 2015. He thought that in 2016, but he uh, he's repented now. Uh-huh. And in 2015 and 2016 is when I met him and when I knew him, and he was serving as a bishop at the time when he made those posts, uh, which I think in terms of a macro impact uh, sort of puts the lie to the idea that you cannot support legal gay marriage and be in harmony with the teachings of the church. And I think if there's anyone, I, I, you know, I don't think this means gay ceilings are around the corner. I don't think this signals a huge sea change in how the church is going to handle LGBTQ issues. I think what it confirms is something that uh, most members uh, probably already knew, which is that uh, supporting legal gay marriage does not disqualify you from holding a temple recommend. At least it shouldn't. It does with leadership roulette. uh, But... uh, Apparently, Aaron Sherinian is a member in good standing who holds these positions, and uh, I don't see any sign that he's backed down from these positions. I mean, the the, the big screaming Eric Moutsos, am I pronouncing his name correctly? It's Moutsos, from what I understand. Moutsos, Eric yes. Moutsos. Uh, the thing that, that triggered him was the idea that there were pronouns in his bio, which there were while he was serving as the uh, vice president of church-owned Deseret Management Corporation. So this is very recent. I mean, there were pronouns in his bio up until, I don't know, I I think, I mean, there have been people talking about, oh, well, the church has scrubbed his stuff or he scrubbed his stuff. And uh, I think he has done everything he can to try to sort of lower the spotlight or lower the, you know, stop the third degree and just because his role here and he knows his role here is not to set policy for the church, let alone set doctrine for the church. His role is to be an effective spokesman for the church. And uh, the more we talk about him, the less effective uh, he can be because if he's the story, it becomes counterproductive to what he wants the story to be, which is the story and the narrative of the church. Okay, cool. So um, that's fair. Everything you've said so far seems fair. Um, You covered a lot. I just scribbled some really fast notes. So I'm going to try and just really quick uh, 10 second replies to some of these things just to get everybody on the record and clarify some things. Um, I can't clarify everybody else's positions. I've spoken to Eric Mutzos before, but I haven't spoken to him him specifically on this issue yet, so I don't want to put words in his mouth. With uh, pretty much everybody else involved in this Axios article that kind of seems to be the flashpoint of this conversation over the past 24 hours, I have been able to speak, and so I feel like I'm reading the tea leaves pretty uh, well. I I will say... um, you spoke uh, earlier in this conversation about specifically refugees and some action that you had with Aaron Shrinian. And I, I do have to say, on our show, we piss off a lot of liberals and progressive Mormons and things like that with some of the stuff that I say and the pushback that I give. But I also have the joy and pleasure of being politically homeless and uh, pissing off a lot of conservatives as well. And one of the things that I have been on record as saying where I think we drastically missed the boat, Red America. Politically, drastically missed the boat. And I think the membership of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints, especially in the Western United States, where we have so much space and wealth, really, really missed the boat on the refugee crisis because um, I, I. 
we build BYU and keep BYU Hawaii open at a loss because it, you know, there's so much good diplomacy that comes out of getting all of these different people from, you know, different Asian countries and, and the daughters and sons of diplomats and executives from Southeast Asia to come here and have this American and Mormon experience and then become advocates for us when we go back and I don't know, our missionaries do something stupid and they want to revoke all of our passports. But, you know, the, the, the passport ministry guys like, Hey, I went to BYU Hawaii. A couple of them are idiots, but most of them are good. Maybe let's not kick them out, right? So there's been lots of times where the diplomacy of the CES system, especially BYU, has created advocates for our cause in a beautiful way by simply providing an education, which all of us need, and the church is in a position to provide. And when the refugee crisis happened, man, I I, I swear we took in more foreign exchange students that year than we did refugees, and we could have been creating a bunch of little mini advocates for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And and we didn't. So from a political perspective of, you know, should uh, another globalist entity be able to literally prescribe to a sovereign nation how many refugees they must take and so on and so forth? Yeah, I think there's a political discussion uh, to be had there about the sovereignty of the United States of America. And I can see why people get pushed back on that. But from a volunteer perspective, like if I had more resources, I, I, I would have. I've volunteered with refugees myself with our ward here in Los Angeles. I've had a great uh, experience with many Afghanis that were um, part of, you know, when Joe Biden left all the helicopters behind for the Taliban to take over the, uh, <laughs> the what was that called? Come on. What was that? I don't remember what that was called, but uh, a lot of the Afghans that were saved there, we were able to do um, help them out here. So I think you're right. We kind of missed the boat there. I saw your eye roll about Joe Biden leaving all of the uh, leading all leaving. Well, all I don't of want the, to get into Joe Biden. No, I hear you. I, hey, you mentioned him as so, being a great guy killing cancer. I can mention him as eh, leaving some helicopters behind for the Taliban. All right. But all right. anyway, um, the uh, uh, and second off, anybody going after this guy's kids, wholly inappropriate, not not cool. Uh, anybody gatekeeping. We're very anti gatekeeper here. I don't like it when evangelicals try and say like, oh, you don't fit 10 out of 10 of my criteria for what a Christian is. Your vision of the Trinity is um is 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 nine out of ten bad therefore you're not christian that's garbage i'm what i call an eight out of ten mormon i don't think any of us can live ten out of ten of uh of the commandments effectively at any given one time or else we would all just be translated uh, i think nine out of ten you're a freaking saint and if you're eight out of ten you're good enough for me and i would like to think that's the general ethos of being a member in good standing it doesn't necessarily have to mean that the brethren uh endorse every single one of uh, your political or social views, but you reach the threshold of good enough, which personally, I really hope the Lord looks at me and my uh, work on this earth as good enough. So I'm willing to do that with Aaron Shrinian. Uh, my my issues were not with any of the LGBTQ stuff, uh, believe it or not. Um, I, I do recognize that as a signaling function. Uh, and I, I have big problems with, uh, like 2023 and 2024 LGBTQIA activism in comparison to 1960s, 70s, 80s, and 90s activism. I, I think, uh, the further you get from Stonewall, the more the tendency to become the bully that you originally, uh, advocated against kinds of, kicks into play. And unfortunately, I think uh, a lot of the gay rights movement has done that. However, there's still enough hairs to split 
in advocacy of uh, gay marriage, LGBTQ rights, uh, secular positions on marriage versus religious positions on marriage that I could see how a member could could be OK with this and still be in good standing. So if somebody's trying to gatekeep by saying your specific political prescriptions for the um, enactment of a good Judeo-Christian society are are not to my uh, 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 liking, therefore, you shouldn't be able to have a temple recommended. That's wholly inappropriate because at the end of the day, if the church gave it to them, do you have more wisdom than they do? You know, like I, 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 the same thing happened when I had Shane Baldwin on my show. There was a lot of podcasters that had Shane Baldwin on. He's a controversial guy that got busted for fraud and securities fraud, uh, was sent to prison for five years. Uh, the church gave him back his temple recommend while in prison. And he worked really hard advocating there. He wrote a book about his come to Jesus mo- moment in prison and has now been kind of on the podcast circuit doing it. Um, a lot of podcasters took down their interviews with him when the people that didn't like him kind of called up and did the social media mob thing, which all of us have been uh, recipients of. And it sucks, you know, but I kept mine up because at the end of the day, I said, you know what? The FBI said he was cleared of all of his accusations and made good, at least from the government's perspective, uh, to be given his freedom back. And the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, with all of their ample resources and confessional wisdom and uh, righteous judge in Israel perspective, gave him his temple recommend back. Uh, who am I to say the FBI and the church is wrong if I don't have the same resources and perspective that they do? So um, if somebody's trying to gatekeep, I don't think that's fair either. Okay, so I want to steel man your position. At the same time, I, I kind of want to steel man the people that were uh, that, that were concerned because I think there's inappropriate concern, which we've addressed, and I think there's inappropriate action. However, I I can see how a reasonable person would see a lot of those posts. The internet did what it did, and it dug up old posts, which I kind of have a problem with just old posts equal who you are now. Like the internet never dies, and sometimes leveraging that against people, you have to, there's, there's questionable ethics in that, right? But the internet did what it did, dug up a bunch of old posts. And I, I want to know, can you see in your mind a reason why a rational and normal conservative member could have been alarmed by what was brought to light of a lot of Aaron's past activism. That's our half an hour. We're going into overtime. <laughs> you know what I'm okay. saying? What's that? Can you, can you see, uh, from your perspective, can you steal me on the other side and see why some people might be concerned? Um, well, yes, I, I, I can, I can try to be as empathetic as I can. And can recognize, I, I think I understand where it's coming from. Uh, when you say steel man it, um, that's, that's a little harder for me to do only because I don't think the kinds of concerns, at least the ones that I have seen online, uh, are just, are, are appropriate concerns. I was about to say justified. And what, what I mean is, is that uh, the concern for, 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 well, okay, so let me see if I can try to steel man this for you. Okay. Uh, the way I see it is that you have many people who, who see any kind of, of uh, advocacy or support 
uh, or, or and even with regard to trans rights, with anybody who is who who sees these as legitimate human beings in that kind of a perspective, uh, many people believe that that's contrary to the proclamation on the family and to the fundamental principles of the family and the gospel. And so when somebody is appointed who does not see it that way, um, that sets off alarm bells because it demonstrates that maybe maybe the brethren don't see it that way either. Okay. Because they appointed him and they weren't willing to do it. Is is that a close enough to a steel man argument? Uh yes it is and I actually just want to build upon that because I'm coming we all come at this with perspectives and baggage from previous experiences. You've been on the the receiving end of a double-barreled Desnat shotgun. You hate those guys. I totally understand why, okay? At the same token, I've been on the receiving end of a double-barreled shotgun of California <laughs> politics and society. So, like, for example, um, they I, I was engaged in a campaign against a, a protest to build a Planned Parenthood in my son's high school, the high school he would uh, would go to, okay? They were trying to build a Planned Parenthood. And in California, at the age of 15, you can't go tanning without written consent from your parents. But you can begin the process of an abortion and uh, you can talk to a psychologist and begin the process of uh, both social. And I think there was three drugs that they were proposing to uh, prescribe uh, to to young students as part of the transition product uh, process that were without their parents consent. And, and, and so like, like that's miles away from, Hey, should gay rights be given the same hospitalization and, and inheritance uh, uh, laws that we were talking about in the nineties and early two thousands. When all of a sudden I've got activists here who are proposing that there be a planned parenthood where my daughter can go get an, without my consent as a 16-year-old minor or even without my knowledge and where she can receive counseling that could lead to her transition without me, like specifically, with without me having to be notified, I can see why a rational person um, seeing LGBTQ advocacy from somebody coming out of maybe Virginia or Utah where th- th- that kind of bleeding edge drastic propositions are not on the table why why they would perk up now it, i doubt that's what aaron sherinian is advocating for i doubt if i were to ask him hey should the state be able to um quote trans the kids for lack of a better term without parental consent from uh, uh you know to minors i doubt he would say yes i'm on board with that okay but i can simultaneously see why conservative members who have fought these battles are saying whoa whoa hold on a second I, I've I, I've been through this minefield before, and the guys that I fought in that minefield war, with were wearing the same uniform you were wearing. So I want to know what you're up to. So I would like to think that it was like that. Then again, you have a tendency to draw fire from the, the worst of Twitter. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I I believe you simultaneously when you say, "Hey, the people that hate this guy are jerks." I I I find myself again in an odd politically homeless situation where I'm like, I can see why people are given pause by this guy and are justified in vocal opposition, not opposition, but seeking clarification from him. But I can also see where, where 
like, you know, regular folks are like, dude, lay off the guy. He He's a nice cat. And we're talking about mid-level stuff here, not high-level stuff. Does that make sense, Jim Bennett? Well, yeah, I, and I think it's it's relatively high-level stuff. I mean, I think he's probably one of the most certainly will certainly will be the most visible church employee uh, as the communications director. Uh, so, but he's not a general authority, and he's not an apostle, and he's not in the first presidency, and he is not going to be setting church policy. So I, 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 can, I can give grace to those who are uneasy uh, in that they see this and are, doesn't match their own perceptions politically or spiritually, and uh, so they're a little uneasy about it. I, I don't see a lot of legitimacy towards the kind of full frontal assault that we've seen. And, I, I, and I, um, you know, you ask, well, would Aaron Sherinian – what would his position be on this trans issue or on that LGBTQ issue or whatever else? And the reality is he's not going to be advocating for any of those things. Uh, he, as a good PR guy, he knows who his client is. He knows what his responsibility is. And I think I would, I can't speak for him, but I would think that he is deeply embarrassed by the fact that what he believes politically or even what he believes religiously um, it is causing this much controversy around the church because he very much uh, is a faithful member of that church and wants the church to succeed and wants to be uh, an asset in the church succeeding. And that becomes difficult if he is the distraction. So, yes, I can understand why some people would be uneasy about it. I don't really have any patience for the people who not only attack him for it, but uh, try to sort of attack him and then uh, tacitly insist, well, but but I'm not attacking the church, and I'm certainly not attacking the brethren, and I'm certainly not attacking the apostles, uh, because I don't think you can have that both ways. The reality is you either have to trust uh, the people at the head of this church, uh, that they know what they're doing, and that they knew what they were doing when they hired Aaron Sherinian, or you have to recognize that you are the one in opposition to the church and you are the one that has to do some soul searching and some repenting. Okay. You know, so, so I mean, I, I am willing to give grace and empathy to those who are uneasy by this. I, I'm not really willing to give an inch to anybody who is actively attacking the church. And I really believe that when you're attacking Aaron Sherini and that's exactly what you're doing. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Well, if you're attacking ideas, that's different than obviously the person. And that's a whole conversation actually for a different day on uh, how we do that. And that's something the internet does have to improve on. I, I try my best to hopefully lead that charge of having good, awesome, respectful, constructive conversations, which hopefully we're doing here now. So uh, just a so. couple a couple more questions here in uh, in uh, um, our, our little overtime here before you got to go and be the super dad that you are. Um one of the things I took issue with, and I, I know that it probably was not aimed at us, okay, or specifically me. I don't know who it was aimed at, but you were quoted in the Axios article as saying, oh, MAGA Mormons. Also, I'm carrying the baggage of just having had to deal with Scott Vance and uh, uh, Rick Bennett in uh, some 
uh, some <laughs> wild misrepresentations of our show that we had just done the week before and so on and so forth. And my concern is a concern that actually Jordan Peterson has expressed recently when he's asked that he's never been able to get an, an-, uh, an answer of. We all know what happens when the right goes too far. You get a police state. You get the Patriot Act. You get bad FISA courts that get abused and so on and so forth. I, 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 though I currently am a registered Republican and have even served in appointed Republican office, I, I, I give very vocal, full-throated opposition to some of our police state measures that were adopted during the Bush administration. And I am drastically aware of what happens when the right goes too far in our country. Okay. But I've never been able to get an answer. You can get an answer from me of what happens when the right goes too far in our country or even in our church, but I've never been able to get an answer from somebody about two definitions that I'm hoping you can give them. One is what happens when the left goes too far? Can LGBTQ allyship go too far? And then the follow-up question, just because I don't want it to be a gotcha and I want you to be able to be thinking it, you know, is define correct conservative. I know you've kind of used the pejorative term and look. Define I, what correct conservative? Yeah, yeah. What is what is like correct and okay conservatism? Um, I know you get hot-headed on, online, so do I sometimes, and you called some guys MAGA Mormons and so on and so forth, and uh, they called us far-right activists, even though Kwaku is literally the head of the BYU Democrats, and I was Andrew Yang's number one channel less than like 36 months ago, you know what I'm saying? So, I get there's this pejorative of saying, oh, they're far right, but I've never been able to have anybody to define without using liberal adjectives. What is okay conservative? Like, like what's regular right? What's like regular okay conservative? Because, because we get called all the time, MAGA Mormons, Trumpist, and all these pejoratives, right? So if you could just tell me what, can allyship go too far? And if so, what does that look like? And then could you define what is okay conservative within the church that as a past Republican, you think is not cruel or incorrect? Uh, well, we've wandered far afield from Aaron Sherinian here. Well, he, I which, would say he's the modern representative in the discussion of you well, saying like, it's okay to fine. be an ally. Like you literally said in the Axios article, this shows that allyship is basically, you know, accepted as a viable right. thing. So I want to know, can allyship go too far? I feel like I have examples in my life where it has, but I want to know if you think allyship can go too far or not. Because I think that's the principal concern of people that are given pause by Aaron Schrader. Right, right. Okay, well, uh, so I, I want to answer this question uh, fairly narrowly. Okay. Because when you ask, can, can the left go too far? What happens when the left goes too far? When you're a asking that sort of in a global political framework, uh, I, I think that that isn't helpful to this discussion so much as answering what happens when the left goes too far in the church? Yes, exactly. That's uh, what you, I meant. Can, can you um, be too much of an ally in the church? And I think that's a very good question. And you may be surprised to know that my answer is yes. And here's where I think you go too far. Uh, and, and because it's what I'm accused of doing when it's not something I have ever done. I think you go too far when you start to demand that church leaders take action to match your beliefs. 
So when you start to, you know, you, you, you've seen this politically in other movements. Sonia Johnson was excommunicated in opposition to the ERA, not because she was opposed to the ERA, but because she was an active opposition to church leaders and standing up and making a scene in the middle of conference and yelling, no, 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 ERA says no, and uh, chaining herself to Temple Square and all that kind of stuff. Wow. Uh, when you start to say the church needs to correct itself and do what I tell it to do, you've gone too far. And I think that's true uh, of LGBTQ adv- advocacy, but I think it's true of of anything, really. The, the minute you sort of actively campaign against the church, Ahmed Corbett calls it activism against the church, uh, uh, I think that's when you cross the line. Um So what I have always said and what I continue to say in terms of my own personal LGBTQ advocacy is that I am convinced, absolutely convinced, that there is further light and knowledge to be had on this issue. And, uh, you know, I I had my own sort of come to Jesus moment when I confronted the November 2015 policy of exclusion uh, and knew deep in my heart from the instant I heard about it, that it was fundamentally wrong and uh, wrestled with myself, wrestled whether or not I should stay in the church. I mean, that's the closest I've ever come to determining whether or not I was going to leave. And I can count on the number, count on one hand, the number of times in my life where I feel I have experienced the kind of pure revelation that Joseph Smith described as pure intelligence flowing into you. And I can take you to the spot where I was walking my dog the instant that this happened. I didn't see angels. I didn't, it wasn't a surreal, but I had an overwhelming uh, inflow of intelligence as well as love and compassion and kindness. And uh, it it gave me sort of an insight into how revelation is written. Like in the doctrine and covenants, we think of the doctrine and covenants as being the revelation, that the words are the revelation. The words aren't the revelation. The words are a feeble attempt to clothe the revelation in language that can be shared because there's so much more information and communication when you are in that sort of direct contact with deity that that words just aren't adequate to the task. But if I had to put words to this, uh, the words were, be patient, this will all work out in the end. Uh, no mention of whether or not the policy that I was upset about was right or wrong. Uh, no promise as to how things will work out, what that means. It, it, but th- there was also sort of this feeling of, it, it was almost a pleading, please don't leave the church. You know, you're thinking of leaving the church. It wasn't anger. It was, please don't leave the church. Please, please stay. It was, it was, and it wasn't a confirmation of the church so much as this is where I have put you. This is where you can do the most good. This is where I need you. Please don't leave the church. And uh, and I have hung my hat on that all the way. So when people say, well, Jim, are you saying the church should perform gay temple ceilings or do that or this or that or any? I will never, ever endorse any specific that God himself has not endorsed to the church. And I live with the kind of confidence that comes with an understanding that God is perfect and that God has promised me personally, I believe, that all things are going to work out in the end. 
and maybe it works out in a way that is consistent with all of the political beliefs of the people who think I'm crazy. Maybe that's exactly how it works out. Uh-huh. You know, so I, I'm not saying the church has to do anything, and I'm not lobbying the church to do anything. I am I am sitting in uh, in patient expectation, waiting on the Lord. Yeah, you know what, man? That's actually one of the the number one reasons why I want to talk to you, um, because you, you've you've told that story to me one time before, and I and I loved it. And and personally, I view that as the ultimate spiritual seatbelt. I, I felt the spirit while you're telling that story. And I, I wish everybody could have that kind of experience. Cause imagine a church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints where everybody knew for a fact, okay, this is where I have to be. And this is where the Lord wants me. Cause I've had a revelatory experience that says that. Um, and, and I've received confirmation that he is intimately aware of me, my struggles, so on and so forth. All three of Russell M. Nelson's identities were defined in that moment. You knew you were a child of God, you knew you were a child of the covenant, and you, you were using the, the Holy Ghost that you'd been given by, get, as you got baptized, and that you were, uh, um, a disciple of Christ in that moment. And then the rest of this stuff, it's small stuff that's not small stuff. It is big stuff, but it's small stuff compared to that. And that's actually a one why I wanted to get you on the show. And um, so (laughs) unfortunately, the past three or four times we've done a podcast, it's been on polemic issues. So I don't want you to think I'm just some polemicist and our friendship is based off of like aggressive politics. But I'm one of your biggest defensors out there. And one of the things that I have said is like, I want to thank you, by the way, for defending me against uh, the Elmo incident. Who's the, what's the Elmo? Who's Elmo? Well, you had a guy on that was like, we have a picture of Jim Bennett watching Dallin H. Oaks's speech. And you're like, oh, are you going to rip on my buddy, Jim? Oh, and I don't they, remember. I don't, you're, you're my buddy. And, and some of these guys that get angry at you, they're my buddies too. I think you block guys a little bit too easily, but I oh, think they it, also, I think they also get a little bit too, too angry. Short. Too. I'll, I'll block people. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, what? It's like, I don't have to justify why I block people. That's I true. Block people it's yours. I just don't want to look at you. It's your profile. You can do with it what you want, right? So right. anyway, one of the reasons I'm one of your biggest defensors is because, A, you've taught me a lot of great things spiritually, okay? Um, and B, I think, I think there's so many Mormons out there. I shouldn't say Mormons, sorry. There's so many members of the church out there that are not driving with that spiritual seatbelt. They're, as you said before, they're, they're, one of the problems I have with progmos, and actually I don't think you're a progmo, and we need an alternative term for the repubmos that are Republicans first and Mormons second, and they let their politics yeah. drive their morality. And the problem that I have with progmos, and the reason why I don't think you're actually a progmo, I think though there might be overlap between what a lot of progmos say and what you feel, um, in my definition, and a lot of this discussion has been trying to clarify definitions, uh, progressives are missionaries of secularism into God's church instead of missionaries of God's love into a secular society. And I don't feel you do that. I feel that by you demonstrating that prayer while you were walking your dog, you're showing a priority on spirituality and a connection with God over 
what the priests of either the Republican or the progressive left party say down here. And that, that is, that's the ultimate seatbelt, the ultimate last stand that not only has kept you in the church, but also I, I believe kept you more well, well grounded, preserved more of your human relationships. And if there ever was a polemic time where, where the social fabric needed to be preserved, it's now. And, and though you may, uh, not be as wary of LGBTQ activism as I am coming from the Los Angeles, California perspective and actually less of LGBTQ activism as much as uh, uh, the mask and lockdown protocols that happen that we can get to in a different podcast. But though you may not be weary of some of these these posts and rhetoric coming from Aaron, you're also capable of at least understanding, okay, I can see where people might be coming from. And though I don't have patience for the worst bad actors, I do, as you said, even in this interview, want to give grace to those that may not feel that way and you interact with them and you engage and I hate it when people come after you for the sin of engagement you allow people to talk to you you come on these podcasts and the worst conversations are ones that are never had whereas I feel hopefully a lot of viewers better understand you they are hopefully less worried about Aaron. He seems like a great guy. And if what you say is great, then um, I think we'll be okay. The church of Jesus Christ is true because we haven't broken it yet. And all we got to do is last one more generation. Right. You know? So anyway, uh, you got any final words? We can just leave it right there, bro. I don't want to, I don't want to bore you. And I know you got family sure. to attend to, but you got any last words, anything that needs to be clarified, anything you felt I misrepresented you on? No, I don't think I've been misrepresented at all. And, and, and I, uh, no, I, I very much appreciate this conversation. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's always hysterical to me when people think that I'm some, you know, I mean, the term progmo is, is probably as, as lazy a term as Desnat is or Desnat has become because I sort of use Desnat as shorthand for all of this stuff. Uh, when I think that it's actually, th there's more to it and, and that lumps too many people into, into one, under one label that doesn't fit everybody in that, under that label appropriately. But, uh, you know, I, I believe all of the same things I believed when I was a Republican. I mean, stepping, taking off my church hat, uh, one of the things when I talk about MAGA Mormons, I'm not talking about, uh, conservatism. Because I I don't think I don't see Donald Trump as a conservative at all. Donald Trump added more to the debt in four years than Barack Obama did in eight. And the danger with that is that he did it while the Republicans were cheering him on. I, I I'm desperate for a fiscally responsive fiscally responsible limited government party because I don't think we have one. So so I mean when I get called this. This, uh, you know, I'm Jim the Progmo or whatever else. Uh -huh. And I mean, there are Twitter accounts that no matter what I post, no matter how innocuous, um, you know, I, I remember I, there was a big, it was Pride Week and there was a big parade going down West Temple. And during my break, during Music and the Spoken Word, I went out and looked at the parade and saw a float being prepared. The parade hadn't started yet, but the, the, they were preparing a float right there on West Temple. And the message was, know that you are loved. And I posted, this is a lovely message to have on a Sabbath morning. And a Twitter account retweeted that with, hey, Tab Choir, who they who they tagged, come uh -huh. get your apostate. Oh, right. And I just think, <laughs> it's just so exhausting. I, I do. These I kinds know what you're of talking things, about. 
I mean, it, it, you just you just reach a point where you go, you know, so so much of that. I, that's one of the reasons why I block is that I've I've tried engaging. I, I love to engage with people who don't agree with me, who are able to do what you are doing right now, which was disagree well and respectively and constructively. I, I think that's helpful to everybody, and it's a lot of fun to be able to engage with somebody who doesn't see things the way you do, but is will, still willing to treat you with civility and respect. And and I was so thrilled by the peacemaker talk from from uh, President Nelson, and uh, was a little disappointed that. I felt like he undercut that talk in this last conference. And that's probably a whole other discussion. Hey, yeah. The whole idea that, you know, don't listen to people who don't believe. And it's the doctrines of devils. I've never made a covenant to treat anybody who leaves the church like garbage. I've never made a covenant to stop loving and stop uh, embracing those who, whose faith journey takes them outside the bounds of the church. Okay, I got to remove you from the ward list for the purge. Hold on. That's no, all right. Gonna, That's all right. Just I, I don't so. go to my ward anyway this year because it's it conflicts with music and the spoken word. Yeah, that's so true. You, you can write to my ward and say purge him, and they'll say, oh, he's already gone. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny, man. So anyway, so. Um, we're going to let you go. You've done an awesome job. I would love to actually have any excuse to invite you back. We can talk about Russell M. Nelson. You've got some crazy pedigree, too man i know you as jim bennett my boy jim bennett but every time i talk with you about something historical you got some awesome new story from somebody else in your family tree i guess your, your dad was a senator you know you're hobnobbing with all these un gurus you just told me last yeah. night some some crazy cool watergate stuff we're gonna have to do all of that and get you back in the studio but i know you gotta go and we're already like 15 or 20 minutes into overtime so that's all right yeah you do you um if people want to get a hold of you they 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 want to see more of your stuff they want to interact with you engage which preferred platform which twitter profile which instagram which well Facebook? well my twitter profile is uh it's stallion cornell which uh is a very long messy story okay as to why that's my name <laughs> okay. that was the pen name that i adopted when i was in high school okay um, cool it's my pseudonym all right and uh but uh that I, sounds I super now, 70s by the way bro stallion cornell that sounds stallion, like a, yes. that sounds like a boxer well, that I, I rocky would have fought actually, it's just such a funny silly self-important name yeah I, I was trying to come up with a name that just sounded like some guy who yeah who just thought very very highly of himself and was a bit of a twit okay and uh so um but anyway that's where i am on twitter but but uh, i have dipped my toes into your waters uh, in terms of podcasting, I now oh. I, I have a, a podcast called Inside Out. Okay. Um, that uh, is, um, it was quoted, they, they didn't interview me for the Axios article, they quoted my podcast. But I do it with my friend Ian Wilkes, who is, he lives in Canada, but he's from Yorkshire, so he has a much cooler accent than I do. And uh, he was a, he was my, one of my mission buddies, his own leader of mine on my mission, and and uh, later on, he was a bishop, stake president in a stake presidency, and ended up leaving the church, but still has great affection for the church. And he approached me and said, "Hey, I'd very much like to do a podcast with you where we talk about the perspectives of people inside and outside the church." And uh, we've had a wonderful time. We've we've recorded, I think, about forty episodes now. 
Really? And uh, so if anybody wants to listen to me or pay attention to me, that's the Inside Out podcast, wherever you get your podcast. I am putting this up on the screen right now, Inside Out with Jim Bennett and Ian Wilkes. All right. You're on. I I got your Spotify profile up here. And yeah, you're prolific, man. I didn't know you were doing this. You've been doing this ever since uh, August. about a year now. Wow. Good job, my man. So anyway. I'll have to, I try, I, I promise to put links in the description and I all too often forget, but this one I'm going to have to do. So right. link, link to that will be in the description. You guys can check him out there. His name is Jim Bennett. Don't look for him in Mormon Tabernacle Choir because he's too tall and handsome and the cameras You'll can't never reach find him. Me. And Aaron Sherinian, job number one. Job number one, get a deeper swivel on that camera. Get the camera swivel. So we can see our boy, Jim Bennett, there when he's singing his heart out for the Tabernacle Choir at Mormon Square, whatever. What's it called again? Uh, yeah. The- Don't never say Mormon Tabernacle Choir. But uh, if he can do that, that is that will be proof to the world that this was an inspired choice. <laughs> that, that is awesome. All right, guys, for this and more, please check us out at wardradio.com. I ain't trying to bring you down, but for real, you might as well give up now. Think you got a chance, but I don't see how. Got a real tight grip when I hold that crown. My life been good and bad and all around. The more things I lost, the more I found. One thing I taught myself to do, no matter the problem, refuse to lose. Hey guys, thanks for watching the video. Before you go, please make sure that you like the video, share it with your friends, and if you haven't subscribed yet, please let this be the video in which we earn your subscription and that you press the alert button so you're alerted to all of our fun live streams standalone videos and community posts also if you'd like to help us out please consider joining the channel members get all kinds of cool perks and benefits they get early access to a lot of our videos and special emoticons and emojis during our live streams and preferential treatment there it's a lot of fun speaking of a lot of fun we have a super cool discord if you'd like to join our discord check us out on wardradio.com there's a link to the discord there also you can sign up there for our newsletter Our newsletter is a lot of fun, and you can put your email address in there. And if you'd like to contribute to the program, please consider looking us up on Venmo or on the Cash app. We're on both of those platforms. Also, if you just want to keep watching more content right about here and probably right about here are going to be some more videos. Please check those out. And as always, for this and more, please make sure that you look us up and check us out at wardradio.com.